Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. That's the first thing that I do when I go to a client is I interview the people that already work there to figure out what's going right, what's going yeah. wrong in your opinion. One of the questions I always ask is if I were to give you a blank check right now, what are the top three things you would go after and why? My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. And I am in Austin, Texas, at one of the most incredible co-working spaces called Impact Hub, who has been just extraordinary in supporting us to celebrate the women in tech of Austin. And I have Siri here, not the iPhone, right? <laughs> nope, nope. A little better. A little better. <laughs> like an upgrade from the iPhone. <laughs> Siri, is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. Yay! Oh. And then like the crowd cheers. Yeah. Um, really excited that this is your first podcast. So go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Siri, uh, a little better from the iPhone. Um, <laughs> I don't give you wrong directions and I answer questions hopefully a little better. Um, I am originally from Chicago. I moved down to Austin about three years ago for grad school and decided not to leave afterwards. Uh, I fell in love with the city, just the entrepreneurial community, the tech talent, and just the lifestyle was great. Plus, you know, two polar vortexes in a row in Chicago kind of just, I was done. I needed a break. I'm having a massive love affair with Austin. Austin's great. I, I love it. I People, when I first moved here, I was like, oh, it's small. <laughs> because I'm like from Chicago, was born and raised in New York. Yeah. So it's like very big cities. And I came here, I'm like, oh, it's small. But now it's like... No, like, I love it. I have my, my spots to hang out. I have my restaurants to, like, eat at, places to chill, and the, the water's great, and I just love it so much. And so you co-founded Reset. Yeah. Where did you guys come up with the name? I, I had the opportunity to interview your co-founder. Yeah. So we got to talk to her for a little bit, Silva. But where did you guys come up with Reset? I didn't have a chance to ask Silva that. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so Silva and I have known each other since grad school. We sat next to each other for six months because we had a science eating in grad school. So it's really funny that uh, three years later, we're like, we're starting a company together. And we have this list of startup ideas that yeah. we're like, whenever we just, and they're, they can be outrageous, right? Like we've, we've talked about doing like different mugs that have like compartments for coffee and water, like just like out of like yeah. pain points that we encounter every day. We're How like, fun. why isn't there not a solution for this? Oh my God. I totally want to do that act. Oh my, like, you just should get just together. And, yeah. like, oh, and, and it's usually over Nerd wine. Fun. It's usually over yeah. wine, but sometimes we're like, we'd be driving somewhere or walking somewhere and be like, startup idea. Let's write that down. Yeah. Um, we were experimenting with like, 
what could we do in the vibrator space? Wouldn't that be yeah. fun to innovate in? And we're like, okay, maybe not right now. Like, yeah. Maybe we don't have an idea that's like revolutionary right now. Right. But um, over Christmas break, I did some traveling in Southeast Asia with my family. And just the people you meet out there, there's a lot of nomads out yeah. there. And you just come to having these conversations about like, are there ways that we could use what exists already um, to help people in need and help businesses that are traditionally not getting the the capital right. they would like? And the conversations kind of turn into like, what about spaces that already exist that are not being used all the right. time? So I came home and I like went to her house and I was just like talking about our Christmas breaks. Yeah. And I was like, what about this idea? Like, what about if we used restaurants, if we yeah. partnered with restaurants and opened them up during the day? And at this point, I was a full-time work-from-home person. Yeah. She worked part-time. And we both, like, had a lot of issues about what was available. Right. Uh, I was going crazy. There were days where uh, the only living being I saw was my cat. Yeah. And I was like, I need to talk to people. I yeah. need to, like, be around people. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, this is cool. And so we were at a restaurant. We were at Pitchfork Pretty for dinner. Yeah. And we're like, Which, by the way, because of Silva's recommendation, I'm probably going there for dinner tonight. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Alex and Seth are doing such a great job with that space. And we went and we were sitting and we're like, this place is beautiful. We were just like looking around the whole time and we're like, wouldn't this be so cool if this was available to people during the day? Because it has so yeah. much, so many windows, like the yeah. natural light in that place would look gorgeous. And we're like, okay, I think yeah. there might be something here. So we just started talking to a bunch of people that worked from home. We started talking to a bunch of restaurateurs and we're like, there seems to be interest. I did some of the numbers and I'm like, I think this could actually be like a like a thing that makes money and like right. run on its own. And then it's just kind of taken off from there. But now uh, you're at 250 people yeah. on your wait list, yeah. which is so cool. It's crazy. And we have three restaurants that by the end of the week have yeah. officially signed. They've all soft committed with us, but they're all around Austin. Um, they're beautiful. And Pitchfork is one of them. Uh, Pitchfork is someone that we that has been helping us in the process. Uh, got it. We, they were the, one of the first restaurateurs that we went into and talked to. And we're like, hey, we have this idea. Yeah. We're not asking you to sign up or anything. We're just seeing if there's legs on it. Yeah, because you need it to have market validation. You need to know what pain points you're solving, mm -hmm. what problems come up, what objections come up. You yep. need to have those people you feel comfortable having those conversations with to find out if you even have something that's meaningful exactly. to them. Yeah. Exactly. And we both have full-time jobs. So we don't want to waste our time on something that won't work. Right. Right. So we're we're being really diligent about making sure we're actually solving pain points that exist right. and that are big enough that people want to change their routine to, to yeah. solve. Awesome. Yeah. Did you grow up with technology in your house? I grew up with science in my house. My dad yeah. is a PhD chemist. My mom um, has a master's in biochem. I've always gravitated towards science. I wanted to be a chemist. And then my dad's like, do you want to be in school forever? I'm like, no. Yeah. So I'm like, I did chemical engineering instead. But when I was growing up, I I very much gravitated towards Legos. I don't know how like often you hear that, but I loved Legos. I loved yeah. building new things and going off uh, blueprints and not going off blueprints. Yeah. And when I got older, there was this really cool thing called Lego Robotics. Right. And it was like you could program this set of Legos to do things like right. lift things up and yeah. push things and follow like censored paths. Right. I like ate this up. And so I did it in, in middle school. I just like was on a team in school and then I would take this thing home and like just play with like make my own little sets and stuff. Right. And then when I got into high school, I went into like serious robotics competitions where we're like welding machinery together and like working out of like BP's warehouses and right. stuff like that. And it was so fun. Um, so I've always gravitated towards science, towards engineering. 
Um, but tech in terms of like programming and apps and stuff like that, I feel like tech is just such a broad term now. Like right. It, it's in everything. It is. Okay. Yeah. Because everybody has to have a website. Yeah. So are you in tech if you have a website? No. No. Um, everybody has to have a blog. I mean, you know, all these things. And it does get a little bit confusing, especially someone that's not familiar with tech, is who is actually in tech. So I feel it's a company that is either an e-commerce shop, um, has built a mobile app, is innovating um, sustainability or, uh, or yeah, you know, Things that I'm not familiar with, like the medical med tech yeah. and, you know, all, even the sex tech you, yeah. you were referring to, like is innovating via product or um, that kind of thing or science. But like if you're just a company that has an informational website, doesn't mean you're in tech. No. And, and it's funny because we've been we've been applying to accelerators and, and pitch competitions yeah. and just like trying to get our name out there. And every time it says to classify us. I always look at Silva. I'm like, so what are we, what do we classify ourselves as? And yeah, we classify ourselves as hospitality, but tech, agree, yeah. like app, an app is actually really key for us to scale. Yeah. So yeah, we could be small beans and like be in Austin and be within three to five restaurants right. without any tech and just be a pure hospitality play. Right. But if we want to expand this to other neighborhoods and other cities, eventually, yeah, tech is really the way we do it. So I see tech as more of a tool now yeah. than a classification. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. Like, do you need tech to serve what you're trying to build to reach your audience and to provide a better service? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your game plan? Like, you're at 250. When do you guys want to, I, I, to like, open the door yeah. to launch? And where do you hope it goes? Like, what are your end-of-year goals? Yeah, so we are launching August 20th. Yeah. Uh, we're launching at Nightcap. Uh, she is the owner of Nightcap. Is this like badass female restaurateur? She hustled yeah. so much to get that place open, and continues to hustle yeah. across you know permitting and other things that the city keeps throwing at her. So we are super excited to be piloting with her. We launch August twentieth. Then we'll be launching um, hopefully with our second restaurant right after Labor Day, yeah. and our third restaurant at the end of September. So we are staggering our launches. So. Not every restaurant is the same, right? Yeah. So we're going to work out all our kinks slowly but surely, and hopefully as we keep going, it'll be a smoother and smoother launch. By the end of the year, we're hoping to get five to six restaurants. What? Did, yeah, that's what I was going to say. What does success look like to you? Success looks like being able to scale this outside of Austin. So I think if we do six months here and we do this at five to six restaurants, that'll prove that, hey, this works in a yeah. city like Austin. Yeah. And we'll continue to grow within Austin. But what we want to do is pivot into other tier two cities like Austin. These are the Portlands, the the Denvers, the Detroits, oh, Nashville. Portland. Uh, Portland is so awesome. If you like whiskey, whiskey yeah. library. You have to go there. It's okay. like an old man's library, and there's like so 400 cool. or 500 types of whiskey. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like that. Uh, yeah, me too. And uh, – it, no, it's a really fun city. And, but there are cities like that which um, have the same types of people and sizes and the way that restaurant issues uh, that occur in cities like that that are different than those in L.A., New York, yeah. Chicago. One thing that I was asking earlier, and I don't think we actually got to the end of it, was we were talking about how you came up with Reset. And then you said that, um, you know, about utilizing space that's not being utilized. However, how did you come up with the name, though? Oh, Reset. Okay. Um, this was another <laughs> funny thing. So we – you can't just sit down and come up with a name. I feel yeah. like it's really 
you can't just force yourself into creativity. Yeah. So we would just have these conversations where like an, an idea would come up, we would text each other, or if we were together, we would just write it down. But why we settled on reset, we wanted something short. We yeah. wanted something sweet and something that was like really easy to like work with from a right. logo perspective and from a catchiness perspective. But why I really liked reset and why we both ended up on it is we're resetting the table. Yeah. Like, we're using a traditional table oh. meant for food, like dinner or lunch, and we're resetting it for work. I love it. And we're also resetting your your mind. Like, you're, we're getting you out of an office. We're getting you out of your kitchen or wherever you're working right now into a new space that hopefully boosts your productivity and allows you to do the best work uh, that you can. It. I love it. What would you say has been one of – I mean, both of you balance having a full-time job and being a full-time entrepreneur – what would you say the biggest challenge is in that, or does it actually help you be more efficient? It allows us not to make decisions out of desperation, which is one of the really big reasons why we Amen. decided to do that. Yeah. yeah so I we, highly agree with that. Yeah. We don't yeah. want to take money out of the business. We don't want to make really risky decisions because, oh my God, like I'm not going to be able to pay rent if we don't make this happen. Yeah. And so that's been really great. I think it also allows us to continue drawing inspiration from other places and other people. Um, so Silva works at Dell, a major company. Yeah. Um, it's huge in tech and there's yeah. a lot of places to absorb inspiration from, whether it be from your people or the way they do work or the best practices not yeah, to do. Totally. Um, I work for private equity firms. I consult for shops that are going under, yeah. right? I'm pretty much getting the playbook of what not to do from an oh, organizational perspective or an employee perspective. Yeah. So it's been really good um, just to keep kind of our brains going and not be completely absorbed by the startup quite yet. Let's dive into that. I think that would be really helpful to all of us. Like what do you learn is uh, some of the core things you find in common of people going – of companies going under? Uh, a lot of it is due to organizational issues, not thinking about your employees structuring this very poorly, um, a lot of uh, hiring your friends. So a lot of companies we work with, private equity firms buy a lot of family-owned businesses. And these were great ideas, you know, in the 70s and the yeah. 80s. But the, a lot of these people don't have traditional business backgrounds. Right. And a lot of times they'll just start giving jobs to their friends that uh, might yeah. not be able to do the work that they right, need right. to do. Um, there was a company, I was out in San Francisco for four weeks in April with a small food and beverage company. And they were having 20% turnover month over month. These are people that are just leaving out the door. And in California, where like the unemployment is ridiculously low and there's not a lot of manufacturing jobs out right. there, like that's insane. That's costing you an arm and a leg. How could you execute it. You could have a brilliant strategy to turn around a company, but you can't execute it without people. Right. Right. So we, we help management to realize like all of these are great ideas. You can't do any of these without figuring out your people problem first. Right. And what can someone think about when thinking about organization and their people? Problem? Like what questions should they ask themselves to reevaluate? Maybe they have um, a supposedly healthy business, yeah. but they don't know. And they're, they're listening to the show right now and they're like, I think things are fine. What kind of questions should they ask themselves to really have a start to assess how things actually are versus how yeah. they perceive they are? There's some questions that I used to ask uh, when I do interviews, right? That's the first thing that I do when I go to a client is I interview the people that already work there to figure out what's going right, what's going yeah. wrong in your opinion. One of the questions I always ask is if I were to give you a blank check right now, what are the top three things you would go after? And why? What a great question. I've never even thought about that It's before. really great because it, it forces them to prioritize things and it also tells them – it 
they'll tell you things that you wouldn't have gotten if you were to ask wow. very pointed questions. Or uh, you'll hear horrible answers. Or you hear horrible answers. Or you I'm making gauge a funny how, face. I'm like, you gauge so how good that leader is. Um, I was talking to the head of HR, and I asked him this question, and he said he would expand the break room. That was the number one thing. With a business that had 20% turnover and people were leaving out the door and it takes six months to train someone new because it was manufacturing, he told me that he would expand the break room. I'm like, okay. <laughs> to wow. me, that tells me like you're not really you, – I don't even know if you're equipped for this job right now. Later found out that he was the owner's best friend's nephew. Which ends back to the family <laughs> thing. So yeah. you you would ask, if I give you a blank check, what are the top three things you would spend money on yep. to grow the business? Do you say to grow the business? No, have- no. What would you spend on right now, immediately? What are your you, most immediate So you don't concerns? give anything leading? Just Mm-mm. No, because I think, and it's I kind of taking a question. page out of design thinking, don't lead the interviewee. Like this is, when Sylva and I were interviewing people that work from home, we didn't ask specific questions. We were just like, hey, walk me through your day. Walk me through when you wake up to when you go to bed. Yeah. And we just kind of take it from there because when you just have someone kind of go off and ramble, yeah. they reveal a lot of things that you wouldn't have yeah. done otherwise. I do, I do think I ask leading questions sometimes because I, as a leader, I'm consistently trying to improve um, expectations and communication. And, but I think maybe I am a little too leading and I think it really depends on the situation. I think if you're really trying to answer specific questions, it's good to have a mix. Yeah. Um, I love that yeah. question, though. It would tell me so much. I have no idea what anybody on my team would say. Yeah, I, th- I think you should try it out and over drinks or whatever. Like, get get the barriers down yeah. and see what they say. I'm so serious half the time. I'm <laughs> like, I'll do it. Okay, team meeting, everybody. <laughs> it didn't, didn't even occur to me, like, over drinks. I'm like, this is serious shit. you got to answer this question. <laughs> now, on the spot, in front of yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, another question I really like asking is, would you invest in this business? Would you put your own money into this business? And like so you're if, mentoring me. <laughs> if you think this business is doing well, you should ask people that question and see if they agree. Sometimes I I love that question. Sometimes I feel that the people who work for me by choosing to work for me are are investing in the business because because of their dedication. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. Especially like when Janice, you're a small right? Shop like this. Like yeah. Janice has worked with me since 2012. Uh, Janice is our team assistant. And she's amazing. And she's probably not listening to this episode. But if you are somehow, I think you're extraordinary. <laughs> and and um, and Carl, who is listening, I love you too, Carl. He's worked with me since 2004. We'll just go down the list. You know? <laughs> like, but anyway, like I feel – actually, when I was talking about that, I was thinking about Carl. So, Carl, I was thinking about you. Carl and I have a lot of conversations about this where Carl has invested so much dedication. So, Janice and I took a break for a little while. No particular reason. I just didn't need yeah. a team assistant, right? And so, Carl, uh, Carl's been – consistently with me since 2014 and works really hard and really diligently. And I'm always like sending him these apology emails. Like, I'm so sorry. We can only grow at the speed that we can grow. Like, he's like, will you please stop worrying about it? Like, I'm really happy and I feel very valued by you. And, and, uh, he just reminds me that a lot of the, um, professional abundance that's come into his life is because of my contacts and my recommendations and stuff like that, which makes me feel so good. So awesome. However, because he's chosen to work with me um, in a very lean way and dedicated over – we're in 2018. That's four years now of his dedicate. I feel like like 
he's been invested yeah. in this. And that's why I just ne- I've never occurred like, would you invest in that? I, like, I, it's never occurred to me to ask because I no. interpret their time and dedication as an investment. I completely agree. I think with Lean's shops like yours and ours, a person's time is a huge investment because they could be doing something else and making yeah. probably way more, more money, money. Way yes, more money. That. Uh, with, with my clients, these are bigger enterprises. And yeah. so it's like they're getting a really decent salary. Yeah. But it's like, hey, if I were to ask you to convert 10% of that into equity, would you do it? Like totally. you could get such a big buyout if that did well. And if they say no, you're like, hmm, maybe I need to like look under the hood and see such what's going great on. great question. I love that. So would you invest in this company if you were given a blank check? What would you? What are the top three things you'd yeah. spend it on? What is another one? Oh, mentor. Man. Miss Mentor. <laughs> These are great. Um, walk me through where your team really like shines and where you're missing skills gaps, personality gaps, leadership skills, anything like that. It forces them to kind of reassess their team. It also is a moment for them to be vulnerable, uh-huh. which is – not always the yeah, case, yeah, yeah. depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting. Like when we were there with the uh, – when I was there representing the private equity firm, these guys were going through so much. They had just been bought. Their company founder just got outed. Yeah. Like there was a lot going on and so they were very upfront. They're like, we need this person. We yeah. need – we don't have sufficient leadership in this function. We need help. Yeah. And they saw us as like a mouthpiece to leadership being like, hey, like we can prioritize yeah. these guys' requests because they are pretty major. It's little things like yeah. training, yeah. like equipment. Like yeah. these are little things that could be solved very quickly, but no one was like uh, was making these things known to the yeah. right people. So I love this. Um, there is a cultural shift that occurs when you get to a certain size. So when you were talking about like do I want to be in this one to two million dollar range or do I want to be bigger than that? Yeah. It's you're going to be changing the culture of your organization to get 100%. there. hundred percent. And like so before grad school I was at a very small consulting firm out of Chicago and New York and it was about 30 people. And I was talking to the CEO and I was like, we compete against the big guys. Like, would you ever want to scale your business? He's like, honestly, I don't want to get bigger than 50. I'm like, well, well, 50, that's like an arbitrary number. He's like, no, I think the culture would shift to like everyone – Everyone knows each other now. Everyone knows how each other works. Yeah. It's just very collegial. Everyone yeah. helps each other out. And he can pay us bonuses that put us in line with a lot of the bigger companies so he can get that talent. Right, right, right. Versus if they grew bigger, it's just – it's way harder to maintain that type of culture, totally. that pay. And and also like there's a lot of like if we don't get business, we're still really small. Yeah. So if you don't get business, you might have to lay off people. And when you start laying off people – the morale at your company is just totally. completely shifted. Totally. Um, so I think that's one thing. Yeah. So when I, when we think of reset and like the way we're trying to think about staffing and stuff like that, we want to keep it small and lean as well. Because you do. There's, because there's a cultural part of that. And also totally. like I think Sylvan and I are really good friends. And so that's a whole other quirk you're yeah. going to have to like encounter. Like we're thinking about like, OK, we're going to probably our next big hire is going to be a CTO. Yeah. Right. And we're probably because we don't have the coding background. Right. He's someone with a coding background. We're like, OK, like people with that skill set, there's going to be a ton of them. But yeah. personality yeah. is what we're going to be doing. And I think it's the same with you. Like you need to screen all these people for personality. But the nice thing is like let's say you change your business model. Your people love you, so it's fine. They'll shift to doing something else because they just want to be part of the journey. Totally. And I, and as a leader, what I've been thinking about is, 
you know, what type of business do I want? Like, how does it affect my lifestyle? And then what size? So I, I'm pretty confident. I mean, unless I learn something different that will shift my yeah. perspective, I'm pretty confident I want a company that is under 10 employees and probably ideally like five. Um, ish. You have a yeah. contractor here or there, but like five. It's like a kitchen table. Team. Yeah. And and I want to run – do you know um, Bono's organization? I think it's Red or something like that. No. Nonprofit. They do like billions in like philanthropic work. Oh, wait. Work. They partner with Gap for some stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, their team I think is two or three. Oh, my and God. And they've done like billions. And I'm like, okay, if they can do billions, like – yeah, it like it does to me. Like having a smaller team doesn't equate to being a small. Oh, it doesn't limit you. No. Yeah, and so I was like, it just means we're more efficient and we're more precise in what the rules and, are. And you also decide when to outsource things that you don't know how to do. Totally. Like, like I'm like, yeah. do I really need? Unlike you, I'm like, do I really need a full time web developer? Like I don't. Probably not. Right. No. And so I'm like, that doesn't really need to be included in the five. It's yeah. like, you know and. These are all things I'm, like, trying to figure out. And then when I was standing at this concert yesterday, totally, like, allergy-filled with dust everywhere. <laughs> Not – I mean, I, I wasn't, like, stoked on the concert, but I was stoked on being able to be at the concert. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, do I want to build a company that would keep me from having this unique life experience? And I'm like, no. These life experiences are really important to me. So I need to build a company where I don't have to be standing at a conference a concert checking my email right then. Yeah. And I'm like, these are really important things for me to think about as we're in a growth stage because I am the owner of the company. Wherever I take it is where it's going to go. And the person it's going to affect the most is you. me. Is you. And Sylvan and I are thinking the same thing. Like I came from management consulting. My life was someone else's. Yeah. And that's why I left yeah. ultimately. And she doesn't ever want to go to that type of lifestyle. So We've agreed that, like, we're just pretty organized in the way we work. We spend time together to work together, but we do a lot of our work apart yeah. wherever we want to yeah, do it, yeah. right? If I'm traveling, I do it there. Yeah. We both really like traveling. We both like taking time off. Um, and that's really important to the way yeah. we grow. And so if we need to spend a little more money for an accountant, if we need to outsource HR instead of us learning how to do all totally. this stuff and doing it ourselves – we're fine with it. We just like look at the money and just like, it, and we're bootstrapped. Yeah. Every dollar is ours. So yeah. we are very careful with where we spend our money, but we also understand that time is money. Yeah. Uh, by the way, have you heard of bench bookkeeping? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't used it myself, but I've heard good things. Yeah. It's, it's actually really nice. I'm learning about all these new startups in like all this back office, not sexy yeah. parts of your business. Like Gusto is like an HR payroll yeah, yeah, app yeah, that yeah, we're yeah. looking at. Um, the nice thing is both of us have MBAs, um, so we can take on some of this stuff. So right now I am our bookkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will do this yeah. until we get to this point, and right. then I can't do it yeah. anymore. Then it's worth an I account. thought it was interesting when your co-founder, Silva, told me that um, you guys have um, like a dedicated host per restaurant mm -hmm. or you're planning on that yeah. essentially on that overhead cost whatever you, that expense why did you make that decision why, like why did or, or maybe you are I shouldn't make assumptions are you starting with one of you being the co-host for each co-working day or are you legit starting with someone who's not you guys on a payroll type or paying? Yeah, or, okay, that's a really good question. So we wanted to design, we wanted to go through a business model that has the least risk and the least risk makes, meaning all the costs are variable. So even if we don't get revenue, 
We're fine because we didn't spend any money. Right. Our host is different. Our host is the only fixed cost we have. That's what she was saying. I was surprised. And so if we were to be the host, we would have to quit our jobs. And to us, we make more money than a host would be paid. So in, in the way we're thinking about it, when it's flexible, we'll host. But if it's not flexible, we'll pay someone to host. And we're looking at people for hospitality backgrounds. So the way we're doing staffing is like half days. So Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. We have three restaurants. There's only two of us. Um, So she works part-time remote. So there might be slots that she could like – she has – pretty easy workload. She can, you know, be a host and also work. I'm off project. And when I'm off project, I I can work like wherever I need to. And so I can go and do like a week at a restaurant. So it's we're, we're building it very flexibly. So we can do that to reduce costs, but we're not going to quit our jobs to do that. Walk me through reset because I think I think I may be misinterpreting one thing. What I pictured reset, I pictured it kind of like um, I was telling Silva there's this company in LA called uh, Work Party without the vowels. It's really cool. I think you guys should collab together. Okay. Um, they do pop-up co-working, but it could be in someone's home oh, and this fun. stuff. Okay. And they've built the tech for it. And I feel like super nice guy, Aiden. I have such a collaborative okay kind human spirit. I feel like you guys would accelerate one another. Um, uh, but uh, he does pop-up co-working. So it's at variable times. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to sound like, and maybe I'm misreading it somewhere, that you guys have a set. We do. Really? So yeah. that I completely did not get that. No worries. No worries. Okay. So we partner with dinner-only restaurants. So, for example, Nightcap, which is in Clarksville, um, they are open 5 to 10 for dinner. And so 8 to 4... That space is sitting pretty. Right. Right. There's people in the kitchen like afternoon, like prepping and stuff like that. Yeah. But the front place is completely empty. Right. So that's what we use. So And it's every day then. It's every day. So, oh, totally didn't get oh, that. Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. But but still it's on a it's yeah. literally like getting a co working pa- yeah. and like it's exactly. your alternate office. Yeah. And yeah. we're not and, and I think it's pretty important to keep in mind we're we're trying not to label ourselves as co working because we don't have phone booths. Right. We don't have uh, unlimited beer on tap and yeah. we don't have the hours that a co-working yeah. space. This co-working, like the one we're sitting Impact in right now, hub, yeah. it's it's great for people that have startups that like are too big for someone's house but too small for a retail space. Right. It's great for people that are client-facing, totally. that have companies that subsidize. Totally. Like this – I used to work here. I loved Impact Hub. I love Impact But then Hub. when I switched jobs and <laughs> yeah. I don't have a company that subsidizes yeah. that, that was really hard for me to defend out of pocket. Right, right. And that's – those are the people we're targeting. Right, right. Like freelancers or yeah. like a remote team or – yeah. Yeah, or I'm a fundraiser and I meet with clients all across the city. Instead of me jumping coffee shop to coffee shop, can't I can just have them meet me at this really cool restaurant space that yeah. I'm working out of the yeah. day because we allow guests to come in for two hours at a time. This is so cool. So really it is um, an alternate way to not be inside your bedroom and to yeah. like have a place to go. But when you don't totally need a place to go, but it's just nice to have a place yeah. to go. Getting out of your house, getting off your couch, putting on some pants. Yeah. That you don't like it. Wait, how do you guarantee Wi-Fi? We upgrade all the Wi-Fi. Oh, to you know. Yeah. Yeah, because wi- not having Wi-Fi or having really crappy Wi-Fi. This is, is the so worst. okay. I didn't understand that. This is so cool. So, you create these partnerships 
with these restaurants that have closed hours Mm -hmm. um, but have staff in them. You have a reliable, dedicated host in each one. So there is um, quality control. And it also is so that the restaurant doesn't have to worry about their overhead. You then gift the restaurant upgraded internet Mm -hmm. so that your customers can have a reliable internet experience. And they have set times um, during the off hours uh, approximately 8 to 5 or whatever it is um, to come in Monday through Friday so they don't have to be in their bedroom. Exactly. And they have unlimited Wi-Fi, unlimited coffee, AC, beautiful space to work, and they're around people. That is – okay. I'm so glad I understand. I thought it was more like Aiden's thing, pop-up co-working, except in dedicated restaurants where he does like people's homes and stuff. No, no. We are a place that you could go to. And his is more experiential, like – Kumbaya, I'm out of the Which house on a Tuesday. Which is super cool. Yeah. Like if you have a day off or two or if, you, if yeah. you're in town, like I yeah. think that's a really cool idea. No, but and it's, it's totally different, different. And it's a different customer set. And it yeah. makes it even more collaborative. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's dope. Yeah. We, I can't yeah. wait for you to offer that in like cities around the world. I can't wait either. Like we're, we're It's just really excited. smart. Yeah. It's a very – it's a very operationally minded initiative and yeah. that's what I like about it. It's not just – gimmicky like yeah cool restaurants like you I feel like you've approached it with your MBAs which sometimes I question like why people get you or I even get the question like why people get their MBAs and and or you know whatever there's so much and I feel like this is a perfect perfect example of how having an MBA has made you a more efficient and what's the word it's like the opposite of narrow-minded like full open-minded open, yeah. What, yeah. like full circle-minded yeah um startup entrepreneur because you're like let how do i solve this pain point on an operational level to make it win-win-win across the board yeah because our restaurants like i don't know what's happening in la but like in austin our restaurants are turning over so quickly like a typical restaurant will, like going out of business yeah I mean. yeah like i restaurants, heard some bacon place went out of business i'm like how does a bacon restaurant go out of business when bacon restaurants are going out of business you it's know problem <laughs> um, no like restaurants are usually uh open for four to five years and yeah. we're seeing turnover in 12 to 18 months and these are like really well-known chefs that have come from very good pedigree it's it's insane we're we're in a bubble right now yeah and we're like we're done watching our favorite yeah. restaurants go under if there's a way that we can help them stay afloat and help offset some of their rising yeah. rent or their rising labor costs yeah which are both the major issues that are happening in austin right now then, like, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, just a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. One is, by being part of the Reset community as a, how do you say, restauranteur, restaurateur? Restaurateur, yeah. Restaurateur. Is there an added value in collaboration amongst the restaurants that are mm-hmm. part of the Reset community? Yeah. Uh, when you look at restaurants, um, you look at restaurant groups, for example, they usually buy restaurants that are in similar similar tiers, let's right. say. Um, you're at a certain type of quality and price point. Yeah, yeah. So when we think about creating our reset partnerships, yeah. we're looking at restaurants that would want to be partnered with other restaurants that we're partnering with. So higher-end restaurants, very focused on the food, yeah. focused on the community. They're typically smaller. We only partner with local independents. We're not partnering with chains and yeah. stuff like that. And so when we mention other restaurants that we're working with, they're like, oh, awesome. Like it's almost like a sign of confidence. Like, yeah. oh, I see myself in this same tier. And so what we'll launch off of that will be, um, we're trying to do like member exclusive events for our people, like cooking demos and um, intimate dinners. So like one of the things that we realized in our interviews was a lot of people want to meet 
other people. Like we were talking to a lot of people between the ages of like 27 yeah. and 45. And they're like, we haven't made new friends since college. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And they're like, we're desperate. Like we yeah. want to make new friends. Like, and when you work from home, you don't have work. Totally. Like, like a lot of people make their new new friends at the office. Totally. And so I'm like, okay, so what do you do? And they're like, yeah. well, we go to meetups and like stuff like that, which is very common in Austin yeah. and other major cities. You know how hard it is even for the most extroverted of extroverts as a like yeah. a single person to walk into a group of people and introduce 100%. yourself? 100%. Like, yeah. It's, it's not great. Yeah. And so we're like, there has to be a way that you can meet people without having this like super awkward encounter. And it's it's almost kind of selfish because we're trying to solve problems that we ourselves have. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, And we're yeah. like, how do we fix this? And so we're like, what if you made it like an intimate dinner? What if you did like a table for six type idea? Totally. Six random people that are all within the reset community. We organize a, a really cute little dinner for yeah. you at one of our restaurants. And it's like a set menu. And when you're a table for six people and you have wine and good food, the conversation is just going to go from Totally. There. And so we're like trying to break down these barriers. Oh you and I need to do a post-interview like brain share oh, call yeah. because like I essentially – did that over 400 times, Jeez, but not for yeah. dinners specifically. Yeah. Like we did skydiving, clay pigeon shooting. That's so cool. Like all these things. <laughs> it's called the We Are LA Tech Experience Club. Yeah. And we're reinventing it in a way. Part of it is these dinners in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, but not in the way you're describing. But I think you and I would benefit from sharing what we both oh, know about sure. community. Because yeah. I, I literally can tell you exactly why people became a club member. And I know all the, you know, and I yeah. think that would be really valuable. And we can help and, each other yeah, out. This yeah. is great. This is, this what is I really love, great. Like, yeah. This is yeah. really, really great. Okay. So to wrap things up, um, I love to ask um, what is one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it? This is something that we're learning. How about that? Something yeah, that yeah, yeah. Trying. We went to interview for this accelerator. Um, plan where we would pitch our business and if they liked us they would give us the resources yeah. to help us out because we're a growing startup yeah and it was we're two women yeah we're talking to two men yeah and i've read so many times about like women founders not getting funding and like yeah. women of color not getting yeah. I'm like oh damn we're a double whammy this will be yeah. fun uh, <laughs> and we went and they talked to us like we were two little girls opening up a lemonade stand I was like, yeah. what is going on here? There was one point where Silva like put her hand on me, like just to be like, it's okay. Like yeah. we just like powered through this yeah. and continue. And so that's something where I think we just have to grow thick skin, I, I think is the yeah. case here. And it's continue talking to other women founders about how they've overcome these situations, trying to find women investors, yeah. which there's not a lot of, unfortunately. And Do like, you know about True Wealth? Yeah, True yeah. Wealth's really cool. Um, they are really big into the wellness and consumer health angle. Yeah, it may not be the yeah, right yeah, portfolio. Yeah, um, yeah. But, that, but maybe they could huge. point you in the right exactly. direction. And that's a nice thing. Like you can ask these VCs and like yeah. a lot of the women investors and they're like, hey, you're not a good fit for us. But like talk to these – like yeah. I talked to Claire England at CTAN and she's like there's a really strong group of women entrepreneurs and investors in Austin. You just yeah. have to find them. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do it. Um. I think a really empowering way to look at it, and it's something I've been thinking about in my personal life, is you're not the right fit for me. So yeah. rather than feeling they're looking at us as, 
instead come from a place of like power I mean like you know these people really aren't the right fit for me it's a really good way to look at it yeah and I think it's a more sustainable way to look at it and yeah more accurate way to look at it you know I yeah. think because I think about it a lot with like dating or people in my life and like feeling this need just a human need to be validated or something mm-hmm. or to be accepted or loved unconditionally and I think if if we somehow find the confidence in ourselves, to say, I'm a really great person. I'm a loyal friend. I'm yeah. a person of integrity. I'm intelligent. I I take risks. And when I fail, I get back up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm worth knowing. And so when I go into a meeting, whether it's a business meeting or a potential friendship or whatever it is, yeah. and, and that person isn't treating me accordingly, I'm like, you know – you don't really get to know yeah. me because I'm a gift to know. Yeah. But not in a pompous way and just like make sure we have you know high your, quality. You know your worth. Yeah, you know your which value. is hard for us as women for some reason. I fluctuate. I, th- I think that's – I have moments like right yeah. now and then I'm like, oh my god, I'm not good enough. <laughs> and I know? think having a support network around you to remind you of that yeah. when you are fluctuating yeah. I think is really key. Yeah. And that's been something that I've had a lot of fun building in yeah. Austin from the MBA community and yeah. from the entrepreneurial community. There's so many like badass female entrepreneurs. Totally. And just like you don't even have to be an entrepreneur. Just right. like be there and like support your totally. fellow gals. Because this accelerator may or may not have judged you unless we're in our brain. You know, but like who cares because yeah. how does it serve you to care about exactly. what they're thinking? And maybe it's not a fit and they just – For you. Yeah, exactly. Like you get to decide because you're badass. And Mm -hmm. how many companies have like not been funded for years later investors to regret that decision? Exactly. I mean look at J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. How many publishers turned her away? I love love stories like that. Yeah. It's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Biggest thing ever. Yeah. I think Forrest Gump too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Where can people connect with you online? Um, You can find me on our website, hitreset.io. My email address is on there. Um, LinkedIn, uh, if you just send me a quick note saying you heard me. Can you spell your name? Yeah, Yeah, S-I-R-I, and the last name is C-H-A-K-K-A. Just leave a little note saying you heard me on the podcast, and I would love to, like, get coffee if you're in town, catch up, and, and learn more about your story. Amazing. This is so great. This is it's awesome. been so great. I've this has been a really, really dynamic conversation that I hope helps all of you listening and and it would be great to hear if you want to share stories of how this has impacted you. Remember you can say hello at Women in Tech Show on social, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Hey, I'm thinking we have we don't really use a website. But if we have a website, it would be like womenintechshow.com or should it be womenintech.co? What do you think? Oh, I like .co. We do? do have .io because that's like the hip thing to do in oh, tech startups. amazing. You have the uh, womenintech.io. No, 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 no. Oh, no. We have hitreset.io. <laughs> like, that's a great one. I'm sorry. No, we've taken your domain. <laughs> um, no, you should look at .co or .io. I think those are like, yeah? two hip ones. Yeah. What do you guys think? Let us know on social. Remember, you can connect with more extraordinary women in tech on the Women in Tech Facebook group, womenintechvip.com. That's womentechvip.com. We do manually check that everybody is um, not a bot, essentially, and joining for the right reasons. Our amazing teammate, uh, Janice, reviews everybody to make sure that um, it's all high-quality people that really care about one another in there. So um, definitely request to join, and Janice will get to you as fast as she possibly can. Sometimes we have like hundreds and hundreds of people waiting, but we don't want to like That's a good risk. problem to have. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to risk like sure. someone trying to, or a bot or like someone trying to lead gen something or, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I will talk to you guys, hear you guys, see you guys in the next episode. Bye.
Hey, I'm Siri Chaka. I'm the co-founder of Reset. We're based here in Austin, Texas, partnering with local restaurants to open up their spaces during the day for the remote working community to work out of for the cost of two cups of coffee a day. And you're listening to Women in Tech. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.